The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. I was clinically dead for 45 minutes. My lungs collapsed, my heart collapsed, my kidneys collapsed. So I mean, literally everything was working through machines assisting me. Next, the miraculous story of God's healing power as Peter Pretorius faced less than a 1% chance of surviving. I've never had to trust God in such a dimension. The faithfulness of God is something way beyond anything that I even knew. Guess about. I will tell you, we, we got a living miracle. I'm James Robinson, married to Betty, married 53 years to Betty. That's a miracle that she would be with me that long. You say, you got that right. Listen, we, we've got what I just have to say, he's a dead man walking. I mean, we've got a man here that it looked like there was no way he could live. When your heart doesn't beat for 45 minutes, you don't have oxygen, I mean, you're pretty well done. And what Peter Pretorius, our missionary over basically all the outreaches we're involved with on the continent of Africa, and a man that's literally, in every way he could, expressed the heart of God to a world that so desperately needs to know God and his love. Peter Pretorius is here as a miracle, and Pretorius. This could, could be as great a miracle as all that went on in his physical body to see his life saved miraculously to where every doctor that sees him now will actually call in other doctors and say, he should not be here. This man should not be alive. In other words, we are looking at an undeniable miracle. And Pretorius, his wife, married 40 years, and I'm talking about a miracle of God, the way she was able to endure and with the prayers of people all around the world. Peter Pretorius is miraculously alive and continuing to exalt Jesus and his wife, Ann Pretorius, is here. Would you welcome Peter and Ann Pretorius back right today? Well, I, I just can't tell you how happy I was to, to see you, see you, man, and, and you, yeah. you look great. Yeah, you do. Thank you. Yeah, I could feel you were happy to see you. <laughs> well, it's a miracle, Peter, because, I mean, yeah. Ann is keeping us in touch, and you don't know yeah. what's going on. How, how long was he actually in a coma, Ann, where he didn't know anything? How uh, many days? The first 12 days. 12 days. Yeah. He, he's basically gone. Mm -hmm. yeah. Can you just kind of catch our viewers up of what happened to Peter? It, it was extremely serious, James. He went in for a triple bypass heart surgery and they reckoned it would be a couple of weeks and he'd be up and he was going again and they did the surgery took him through to the intensive care after they came out of the operating room and they said they were just settling him there and I'd be able to come through and see him and the next thing I saw staff running backwards and forwards to the operating room none of them would make eye contact with any of us I was sitting there with the family and we realized there was an emergency but hoped it wasn't him uh, it turned out it was him. And they fought for seven and a half hours, they worked on him. The first 45 minutes just trying to get the heart going and he was trying to pulsate the heart but realized the blood had co coagulated and the clots could have gone anywhere in the body if the blood could move. Mm. So he had to syringe with a saline solution. He had to syringe every chamber of the heart out and each one of the valves to try and now get Now they have him on a, 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 a life support connection while no, he's doing this? No, 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 no. No, no because if they did, then the blood would have circulated. So he couldn't let the clots would have out. gone everywhere. Mm. 
It would have destroyed your brain. So it would have totally destroyed I was clinically dead for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. So he'd used the saline mm -hmm. solution. Did, go ahead. He, clear, he cleared the heart out and he managed then, after all of this time, they then managed to get him onto the heart lung machine that they inserted into the groin, into the heart, so that the machine could work the heart because his heart was not capable of pumping. And they got that going, then they got him onto the ventilator for the lungs. You said and your lungs, Peter, had collapsed, both his lungs? His lungs collapsed yeah. too. My lungs collapsed, my heart collapsed, my kidneys collapsed. So I mean, literally everything was working through machines assisting me. They even put a uh, permanent port in. They thought I was gonna have dialysis for the rest of my life. Um, and they put the port in, they tested it, it was working. They never used it, James. So By the time the, they you, wanted, how long were you on the heart lung machine? How long did that well, process? Five, five days. And they, you were in, were you in a coma then? Yeah, they can't go longer than five days because the blood's restricted to the leg and the leg starts to get gangrene. I had gangrene in both my feet and in my toes. So, you know, they can't go longer. If they go longer than the five days, they're gonna end up amputating your leg. Mm. So it's that whole balance of when do we get him off the machine? And even after the five days, I mean, there was such tension because not many people live after they come off the machines. So. And what you were, you were communicating, but what's going on inside of Ann Pretorius? Um, I've never had to trust God in such a dimension. The faithfulness of God is something way beyond anything that I even knew. And we've trusted God for lots of big things all over Africa with the work that we've done over all of these years. But somehow to sit in a personal crisis like that, the faithfulness and the bigness of God became so real to me. The magnitude of the body of Christ who, who were praying and encouraging and saying, we're standing with you, we're believing with you. Because you must remember, James, I'm sitting in an environment for 32 days and 32 nights in the intensive care where we're surrounded by death, negative reports, negative input from all of the doctors about his condition because day after day there was just something else, something else, then there's infection, then we have to test, then we're doing more bloods, then we, they gave him 22 units of blood during this this whole process. So every day there was something else that was terrifying and yet just about every day there was another little miracle and sometimes a big miracle. And, and I think that's what kept me so encouraged because I knew that I knew that God is gonna see us through and that I could believe in the impossible, the substance of things hoped for. If I hung on to faith, it wasn't the evidence of what we see. It's what's not seen. And what's not seen was the hope that this man would be with us still. Well, the night that they did the work on me in the intensive care, Anne asked the surgeon, you know, how much chance has my husband got? He said about half of 1%. Half of 1%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Anne, you were there long enough waiting with, or the other families would wait. And, and you saw a lot of people get sad news, didn't you? A lot of, they'd lose their loved one. Yeah, that was very difficult because you're all sitting in one little waiting room hoping that there, was, there were enough chairs for all of us and everybody's hoping against hope that something will come through for their loved one in the intensive care. So you share one another's stories, you're talking with one another, you're praying with one another and, and 
they're having family members die on them, one after the other. And my concern then was to try and keep this from Peter once he was a little bit more compass mentis, that, that he didn't need to be surrounded by death. He'd, he was coming through and, and he needed life. And this is where they were just remarkable. They allowed us to bring some of the grandchildren in to see him. Mm. Once he was, he started mm. to respond, but that was already when we were on a better road. <laughs> but they even allowed them into the intensive care unit because they could see how he would brighten mm -hmm. up. And um, they told me that they didn't know what extent the brain damage was going to be. So they didn't say whether there will be, they said the extent of the brain damage because mm. for the brain to have been under that kind of pressure and without oxygen, without fresh blood supply, for the period of time that it was, they anticipated that it could be very severe, plus there could have been clots in the brain, the lungs, anyway. Yeah. And the doctors were not professing Christians, but did they actually say it was a miracle? Yeah. My uh, cardiologist is a Jewish man. And uh, he came into the ward the one day, this was like about two weeks after the surgery, and he said to me, uh, I'm giving you a, a new nickname. And I said, what is that, doctor? He said, M.M. And I thought, what kind of candy-coated sweet or what's, <laughs> what's he talking about? M&M. <laughs> and uh, he said, Miracle Man. Miracle Man. He said, you know what? You have restored my faith that God still does miracles. Mm. So, you know, it was just absolutely incredible. When did you become aware of how serious it was? I mean, at what point were they able to tell you what you had actually been through? Because since you were in a coma for 12 days, how far past that then did they kind of bring you up to speed, say, on what you had actually been through since you were basically away from the situation and they were very much with it? Yeah, it was, it was probably around two weeks uh, after the 12 days. Um, but I mean, those two weeks were, they were really different, James. You know, um, I mean, difficult for Anne because uh, she was really concerned about the brain damage and whatever. And I was doing really strange things. I mean, uh, I had double vision, so I was seeing one image over there, another one right here in front of my face. And it was annoying yeah, she me. Said so, she told, so you keep yeah, doing I this kept all the time. Like rid you of were that getting other something image. away from you. And that, you probably thought that something's gone wrong, yeah. right? I did. It was I thought this up. brain is not functioning. Yeah. And then I checked with the medical team and I said, What medication do you have him on that he's doing these strange things? And they said, It's definitely not medication. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is the brain. Mm. There's activity happening, there's trauma in the brain, and we're just watching. But it. you were actually seeing vision that had been damaged by what you been through and you were seeing an image out here yeah. and the same and image right here. And then the one day I said to her, can you see this orange writing on my hospital gown? <laughs> I said, it looks like it's Chinese. <laughs> you know, um, and I mean... So was it there? No. <laughs> no, and it was such a dilemma. Do I tell him... But, sweetheart, there's nothing there. <laughs> or do I pretend there is something there and make him feel a little bit better? And then my cousin came to visit and I told him my granddaughter had been eaten by a crocodile. <laughs> and you, you saw know. it? Yeah, well, I must have had a dream. Oh. Yeah. So, but it was very real know, to you. Very real. Yeah. I said, I saw it in the crocodile's mouth. Yeah. You know, but he wasn't distressed. That was just very matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you so. past all that now? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> we look, we look okay How long did it take before his, you could tell his thinking and his, um, his kind of getting back it to was, normal? It was slow. 
Yeah. But, but day by day, there were improvements. Yeah. And um, he, wanted, he wanted to get out of the hospital. He wanted to get out of bed. The drive that's in Peter Pretorius started to become very evident. <laughs> and I realised he was still just two years um, <laughs> because he thought he could do things that there's no way he could do. He couldn't, he couldn't sit up in the bed. He couldn't feed himself. And yet he was saying, get me out of here, put the side down. I'm, I'm getting, no, you're not going anywhere. But he felt yeah. I was the one holding him back. Yeah. They, they, when they started to want to try and get me to walk, they brought this walker. And I looked at this walker and I said to him, I can't use that thing. And the, the, the physiotherapist said, why can't you use it? I said, it's got no wheels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you walk with something? You know, at least I didn't say it's got no V8 engine. <laughs> Hey, he used to be a race car driver <laughs> in Formula One before he got saved. Uh, I, um, okay, this is a miracle. Thanks to all of you who knew and prayed. Yeah. Thanks to all of you yeah. who just know the mission work that God has called us to do together for more than 25 years, to save millions of lives, to win more than 10 million people to Christ who came to Christ because of outreaches, your prayers and your resources supported. And those of you who prayed them through with this miracle, thank you. And the miracle continues. And to God be, don't you say thanks to God for the miracle that we're seeing right here. Because it is, it is God's miraculous power. And it is the prayer of people. Okay, Peter. Uh, we've been in the mission fields together for 25 years. It's been one of the most special things. You're going to do another program with us. We're going to talk about missions yeah. and about outreach. And you don't, want, you don't want to miss it because we're going to talk about what, what love on earth, when it's manifested freely, what it does. And, and you'll be thrilled. But what do you take from what you've just been through? You know, one of the, the most uh, powerful things is it's lifted my faith in such a dimension, James. And, you know, I believed for others before, but it now came home and... I went through this whole struggle, but the big thing for me was the 12 days that I was in a coma, thinking back, and those seven and a half hours that they were working on me, because there were no Christians there. None of those doctors were Christians, and my family were not with me, and I was unconscious, and yet Jesus was with me the whole time. And you know, people have even asked me, in that 45 minutes, did you see heaven? I said, no, Jesus was with me. Why would I go somewhere else? <laughs> I don't have to go somewhere else to see him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I mean, it's been such a strength to me to understand that no matter what you're going through, and I mean, my case was really extreme, but there are people out there that are going through something that's almost as big for you. And what I want to say is this, Jesus is more than enough. No matter what you're going through, Jesus is more than enough. And I guess that was the biggest lesson to me, James. Mm. And let me just say to those of you right now who are watching, he really is. Yeah. Um, I just wish you could understand how much uh, he looks in. You know, Peter was a tobacco farmer, race car driver, and came out of kind of what you'd call an upper end, you know, community family in a, a nation divided by apartheid and terrible division. And God saved them beautifully. And God gave them a love for people mm -hmm. yeah. that they had basically been taught we don't love. 
and gave my love for people all over Africa. And Betty and I caught it. It caught us. And because it's caught so many of you, millions have been saved, their lives have been saved, their future and eternity. And God looked in on them and God was with Peter there. And God was with me as a boy without a home, without a father. And he looked down, he picked me up and said, I pick you. When I didn't get picked to play on a team, nobody knew me, I moved too much. Just a little poor kid. But he said, I pick you. Listen, he is looking in on you right now. And he says, I want to be with you more than you know, closer than you could ever imagine. I want to be the best friend you'll ever have. God is saying, I'll be the father everyone needs and longs for. He wants that for you. So whatever you're going through or your family, would you just say, okay, Lord, I'll turn it over to you. Come into my life. Come into my situation. Come into my world and make me different. Just, just ask him. Heal my heart, my hurt, my home relationships. And, and then grant him the time. Remember, Peter was in a coma 12 days. This was like a two-month battle for life and a future. But Jesus was with him. So just ask him to be with you right now. And he will be. You want someone to pray with, the number's there. It's a prayer line. And it's paid for by love. We have a lot of people call us. I couldn't have paid for the long-distance call. Well, love did. So you need somebody to pray with you. Don't hesitate to call. Because Jesus is the miracle worker. He's the miracle of the ages. Would all of you like to just say, thank you, Peter and Ann, for your mission work. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For what you do. You know, Peter... Sheila Walsh is with Life Outreach now. She's on, on her way to Angola here soon to be with you yeah. and the mission team and to go and see the great work of our great God. And Sheila, it won't be nice hotels, okay? You'll have better places to stay where Betty and I stayed, I promise you. <laughs> and you won't have everybody shooting each other out in the street while you're trying to sleep. Uh, Peter, you, you, we've seen miracles. And you know what you first showed me that I did not know if our viewers would even respond to it. You showed me children starving. You showed me a broken heart. And we came on us and you said, because I said, maybe we stay here and help you. You said, no, go back and get us help so we can stay here. Yeah. That's what you said. Yeah. And I had no idea if they'd help. So we're gonna show Kyle Rogers will be coming with you. You're gonna see him mm-hmm. in just a minute. Isn't he an awesome person, Kyle? Yes. What a full of Jesus person. Yeah. I want you to watch his viewers look. I want you to look in. Here's where we started with Peter and Ann. This is where we are right now. And boy, you talk about down the road impacting. This is this has impacted the world, what you're about to see. Listen to Kyle and just know love through you does indescribable things for the glory of God. I'm talking miracles. Watch. Mission feeding absolutely does save lives. It's undeniable. We've watched it rescue children from death's door. But I want to make sure that you understand another beautiful reality about mission feeding. You see, starvation has a paralyzing effect on the developing brain of a child. And what makes it worse is that in areas like this, so often children aren't even allowed to go to school. They're instead expected to be at home with their parents to help work. Now I want you to imagine that that was your reality, that your children were being robbed of their opportunity for education because you needed them at home for the survival of your family. But 
What if they had the opportunity for a meal every day and with it, the opportunity for an education? Well, because Life Outreach locates its mission feeding program in village schools, parents not only allow, they want them to be there because they realize that it may be the only meal that they get that day. With your help, we can stop the debilitating effects of starvation. Teachers, as they now do, have to bang on doors to get kids to come to school. But through mission feeding, you will see kids arrive at school before the teachers. Their hunger for food will lead them to a hunger for learning. You will rescue more than their lives. You'll rescue their future and the future of Africa as a whole. I love to see those children learning. Listen to me, when we started, the children were, and by the way, it's still that way where there's drought and crisis. They don't, there's no system over there to assist. Uh, there's not where wealth and compassion can reach out and where people can share who care. It's just simply not there. The resources are not there. They have to come from someone who's been blessed and able to reach out. But when you reach out to them, like we are right now, 400,000 children that we've located in various areas, where many of them, tens of thousands are facing starvation because of drought and because of crop failure and nothing to eat. So we go in there and we stabilize. But once we stabilize, then we help inspire and encourage and sometimes even build a school facility. And then, this is what the missionaries learned firsthand, that now even the World Food Program has picked up. Thank God for that. School feeding keeps the kids coming to school, but it's all done by love and by the charitable giving of people who just care. So if we can feed at these schools, these kids who we've stabilized their situation, now they can go on and get an education. For 25 years, we've been working with Peter Pretorius and his wife, Han, and all of their team. And now we've seen many of these kids whose lives were saved by love through people like you. They're school teachers, some are college professors, some are law enforcement officers, some of them are leaders in the community or in the city or in the government. I mean, it has been total transformation where you reach out in love and you don't just keep people living on handouts, you teach them to learn and you inspire them to go and then they become effective contributors in their own country. And we've seen the miracles, haven't we? It's awesome, James. I look at it as a double blessing. First of all, most important, we feel, we feel their tummies with the nutrition and the nourishment they need so they can grow up. And then we feed their minds and their hearts with the love of Jesus and give them knowledge. And what a blessing that is, James. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. And you don't have to wonder, do those workers and teachers talk about Jesus and talk about God's love? You better believe it. Why? That's what saved their lives. And you can see the miraculous, actually, is the way our own country here in America was born. And we've forgotten our roots. Well, look, it's love that never fails. Would you help us? A $1,400 gift will take care of a school feeding, an average of 150, 140 children for the next months. 5,600 will cover that whole school for a year. Do you still remember that $30, and surely you've heard this, if not, listen, 30, 50, or 100, we can feed three, five, or 10 children for the next months. Would you right now go, please do this in love. Just let love carry you. Get your bank card, use it like a check. Go to lifetoday.org, go online and use that card like a gift check. That's how you should always use it. Or call the phone number there and say, I wanna make a gift. If you could sponsor a school, do it. 
If you could help us feed three, five, or ten, please do it. There's a level at which you can participate. We've got a wonderful gift to send you. The teaching by some of the most anointed and gifted women in the world. Living your destiny. We want to bless you, but you're going to be giving these children a future, a hope, a life. Thank you for going online or dialing that number. Thank you for giving life. In remote and impoverished areas of Africa, families are suffering, facing death by starvation, and those hit the hardest are the children. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready to feed and care for these children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Southern Africa facing its worst drought and food shortage in years, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider a special gift of $1,400 to help sponsor a school and help feed 140 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you the brand new audio series, Living Your Destiny. Hear five outstanding Bible teachers and women of faith share how to live the life God destined for you. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive The Longing in Me by Sheila Walsh and Unashamed by Christine Kane. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more, be sure to request Majesty, our 2016 commemorative bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or go online today and make your gift of life to help feed and care for hungry children. You know, Betty and I just say thank you so much. And I know you're rejoicing that Peter Vitoris is here alive, uh, the miraculous power of God in prayer. And Ann, we love you. We want to thank you for your help. Thank you for your prayers. I really encourage you to get uh, Living Your Destiny. Um, if you can make a gift of $100 or more, ask for those books. And the bronze, the beautiful majesty, God's wonderful creative skill and genius. And uh, we want to be a blessing to you. Also, remember, check out stream.org. Make it your homepage because we got a lot to pray about in our nation. And the stream is going to be yielded to streaming wisdom and love and truth from the heart of God. And I believe it can help heal our nation. So visit. Join Betty and me in saying thanks to Peter and Ann. Glad you're here. And they're going to be back. You're going to see them in the next program. Don't miss tomorrow. We're going to talk about what love does. Thank all of you. The Stream, James Robison charts a clear path to personal revival and spiritual revolution in our culture, values, morals, and in government. Reverend Samuel Rodriguez says The Stream is a Christ-centered Bible-based prescription for these troubled times. 
Dr. Ben Carson says this important book points out many ways that we can use our lives to preserve those freedoms that made America great. The Stream, available now online and at retail bookstores. Have you ever um, known a, a woman that you cannot just be friends with? Getting out of the net tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.